Welcome back to the Everyday Veteran Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Keplinger. Last night, we met Blake Weller, Marine veteran who served with 2-7 and a recipient of two Purple Hearts. Tonight, we continue Blake's story of his service and his time after the service. Thanks for joining us. And for all the veterans out there, happy Veterans Day. What, um, so you're a corporal? Yep. Within two years, you have two Purple Hearts. Yeah. When, what, what did people, because that probably brought some attention. A lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. I mean, from, one Purple Heart. Yeah, from higher, a lot. Mm-hmm. So I went to the schoolhouse in 2009 mm-hmm. as a corporal. Brand new from the fleet to the street. And that's mm-hmm. what we call it, from the fleet to the street, mm-hmm. where we, we call it the pad. And we get all the Marines lined up and we'd uh, teach them you know, how to drive these trucks and a lot of these staff sergeants and gunnies and first sergeants, they've been to Iraq, mm-hmm. but nobody went to Afghanistan except for this corporal, you know, mm-hmm. and I have from, from fruit salad and then they're like, whoa, okay, awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, they know I've been through some stuff. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of that um, gave me a lot of leniency mm-hmm. um, to get away with a lot of crazy stuff that I mm-hmm. did out there, right? Yeah. Um, and not crazy illegal or anything like under the Marine Corps like code stuff, but a lot of like stuff where normally they'd be like, ah, I, that's probably questionable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Probably shouldn't be yelling at that, you know, young Marine like that, like mm-hmm. at this schoolhouse. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I had a lot of stuff built up. Yeah. And I never knew, like, mm-hmm. it, and I was drinking and I was just getting totally just blackout drunk. Mm. Not like the, I'm going to go pass out. It was just different places. I was just passing out everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I had the wife at the time, and it was just bad. Mm-hmm. It was so toxic, man. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that I should have listened to my parents and my elders um, beforehand because – like I said, when I got back from Afghanistan, I wanted to grow up real quick. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were like, don't do this. Don't get married. Like, you don't mm-hmm. know about this. And I never let everything in my mind was everything was right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I knew combat. I knew life and death. This is what I'm doing. And you can't stop me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I did it. Mm-hmm. And um, now I'm divorced. Now I was divorced and remarried. But um, it taught me a big lesson. Mm-hmm big big lesson mm-hmm. that you need to listen to the people in your life um that actually care about you and that don't want to influence you to do something that you're going to regret mm-hmm. um and i think that for me is my life lesson now to my kids mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so don't make the same mistakes as we did yeah because mm-hmm. we made a lot of them mm-hmm. right um but i tell people all the time i'm like i've made a lot of mistakes in my life but I've never betrayed somebody mm-hmm. and I have never ever let someone down that counted on me. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that was something that um, I took away from that whole experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so you're, you're back in uh, Missouri. Yep. Back in Missouri. And um, teaching young Marines how to drive multimillion vehicle dollar vehicles. And yeah, Having that a good was, time. <laughs> yeah. So at at this time, you know you have something going on, but you don't 
you're not labeling or anything. You just you're you have some anger. You're oh, drinking yeah. a lot. Um, your dad. What about your dad? So your dad was a Vietnam veteran, uh, and now you're Iraq and Afghanistan veteran. What was your relationship like with your dad? Did did things kind of open up a little bit at this no, time? No, I don't think so. Um, him and my mom were going through something at that time too. Mm-hmm. Um, so he moved out and moved into his own place, and mm-hmm. um, it was just an odd time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I used to call him all the time mm-hmm. and just talk about different stuff. But it was never about Iraq or Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Like there was, I to me, I didn't want to bring anything back for him, mm-hmm. and I don't think he wanted to bring anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he knew I drank a lot, and I, you know, um. Had a, had a problem, mm-hmm. but he never he never spoke of it because I think he knew that it would bring stuff up that mm-hmm. just didn't need to be brought up, mm-hmm. and I, I think he didn't want to hurt me in that way. Yeah. So, did you have any any buddies or any family members talk about your drinking or you know some of the behaviors that you were doing? No, um, because we were doing it together. together, and I think that. And then, uh, so some of those Marines from two seven. Mm-hmm that didn't go to Afghanistan with me went to Missouri. And that's what influenced me to go to Missouri mm. because I was like, Oh, those Marines are there. I know who they are. Mm-hmm. So I'll go there. Mm-hmm. And we went there, we chatted, um, about going there and he's like, Hey, come here. We'll have fun. Mm-hmm. Like our families will be together, blah, blah, blah. I, I saw them sometimes, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. Cause I was in my own world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I was, um, I think it was 2011. I think I drank an entire bottle of Jaeger by myself mm. at a party by myself. And I had to go to the hospital. They had to pump my stomach. Um, and I had to be at a new Marine promotion ceremony the next day. Mm. And so I was in the hospital and people came to the hospital my co's and they're like okay go get some help mm-hmm. and i was like nope i'm good mm-hmm. i know what i'm you know i had a disease like i had a disease i was i was a drunk mm-hmm. and that's and a lot of people didn't realize i was functioning mm-hmm. alcohol like i was functioning i was going to work i was going to work drinking i had it in my water bottle i had vodka orange juice in my water bottle mm while the marines were driving that like i was it that that was it it was toxic mm-hmm. and uh and nobody knew or they nobody knew. knew oh nobody knew nobody knew mm-hmm. like it was just a whirlwind when i went to the hospital and they're like what what's happening and mm-hmm. so i told them the whole history and this is what i've been doing for the past three years mm-hmm. right and was that a, a military hospital or was it the civilian? yeah military hospital military. in fort leonard wood okay did they refer you to any type of treatment or yeah anything? so i went to behavioral health okay first did, time this is the first time you've first been. time okay i did two sessions and i left mm-hmm. and i was like why um i think that i was too big for therapy mm-hmm. i was i was young mm-hmm. i like i knew what i i knew mm-hmm. and i was like huh alcohol helps like I'll just continue to do this, mm-hmm. and I mean I did that for another year and a half mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. um, before I went back to Twenty Nine Palms because mm-hmm. I had to go back to Twenty Nine Palms um, for some other 
awesome <laughs> reasons from Fort Leonard Wood. Um, and went to 29 Palms. And did you go back to 27 or were you? No, I no. went back to uh, MWSS 374. It was an air wing unit. I didn't even know there was an air wing unit in 29 Palms. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that they had an airfield. Like while I was there as a junior Marine, I had no clue because I didn't spend any time on that side. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I went back there and ended up getting treatment there. Mm-hmm. Um, forced at, or did you? It was forced. It was forced. My command was like, you need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was 2012, early 2012. Mm-hmm. And then my dad died in June. In 2012. Yep. June of 2012. In June of 2012. <clears throat> And that started right back up. Mm-hmm. Like, I was angry. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I was just like, I'm tired of death. Mm-hmm. My aunt passed away right after that of cancer. Mm. So I was like, I am, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like, I am done with this death stuff, and yeah. I'm going to drown it out. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and you were with your dad when he passed away, right? Yep. I was yeah. with my dad when he passed away. Yep. So, yeah. So, drank, drank some Kool-Aid, mm-hmm. and uh, I tried to go to sleep. A lot, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. going to sleep and waking up, like I just, oh, I'm gonna, I want to go back to sleep now, mm-hmm. and I drink again, right? Mm-hmm. And finally, um, I was drinking with some friends, and all of a sudden, I was like, man, I don't feel good, like at all. And so, went to the hospital. They had to pump my stomach again, um, and then I was. I wasn't done drinking after that, but I was to the point where I was like, I am ruining my life. Hmm. Um, me and my wife split up at the time. We're like, okay, yep, see ya. Mm-hmm. Like the the bottle was was my wife at the time. Mm-hmm. You know that mm-hmm. that was that was my my way mm-hmm. of coping with everything from the past. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so 2012, I finally was like, okay, well, I'm gonna quit drinking um but i'm not gonna quit mm-hmm. i'm gonna just settle down myself mm-hmm. um i've never been a pill taker i've never been like somebody to take medications mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. um still to this day not like i hate medications mm. um so yeah so i just uh stopped drinking and i started living better um at least before mm-hmm. i before i got out mm-hmm. so you finished up that that next enlistment yep and i yeah yes uh, July 28th of 2013. How was that? How was that transition of you getting out? Did you, did you, were you set up for success? Did you know what you were going to do? Um, no. So I, I had a girlfriend at the time, um, which is now my wife, mm-hmm. Christina. And I went and stayed at her house for eight months on the unemployment line. I went from a sergeant who was in combat to the unemployment line mm-hmm. real quick mm-hmm. with no plan mm-hmm. whatsoever. And I felt worthless, mm. but I wasn't drinking. Mm-hmm. And I think she saved me from that. Mm. Her and her family, they saved me mm-hmm. uh, from drinking and going off the deep end completely mm-hmm. because on several occasions, that's exactly what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting a job Um at Pachanga Casino. Mm-hmm. So I was there for four and a half, five years, mm-hmm. four and a half years, mm-hmm. and loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that transition, there was none. Mm. It was 
oh, you're EASing, and here's your class that you have to check in the box. Mm-hmm. And I think I went once and I had the guy sign off on my stuff, and I left. It's interesting that you weren't put on any type of medical board after all your injuries. Do you feel like somebody dropped the ball, or was it just kind of, did you keep yourself from doing anything like that? Or? Yeah, so I was on a second limb due. Okay. Um, and I was ready to get med boarded. Mm-hmm. And they told me in 2012, um, the end of, or the end of the beginning of 2013. And they said, hey, you're probably going to be here another year. And I to said, go through the med board. To go through the med board. And mm-hmm. I said, no way. Mm-hmm. Not me. Mm-hmm. I will not stay in this place any longer. I've had trauma in this place. Mm-hmm. I've had Marines die on my watch in this place. Mm-hmm. Not happening. Yeah. So I brought my medical paperwork to the, the doc and I said, hey, put me on full duty. He's like, what? I was like, you're going to put me on full duty so I can get out of here. Mm-hmm. And I think that was July 26th. And I EAS July 28th. Mm. That was it. That was it. And I left. Mm -hmm. And now I look back and I'm like, that was stupid. Mm -hmm. And I I wish one of my senior Marines or maybe even a junior Marine would have been like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. But I was in my own head. Mm -hmm. And I had my own issues going on. Like I said, going through a divorce. And um, yeah. So I was like, I'm done. Mm -hmm. So I left. Mm -hmm. So you left 29 Palms. And came out to Temecula or yep, were Temecula, Temecula. Yeah, Menifee. 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 Okay. Yeah. And so uh and you're living with Christine and her family and her dad's a Marine. Yeah, her dad's a Marine. Dad's yeah. a Marine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So that was a different dynamic. Um and he was a San Diego police officer. Mm-hmm. He ended up getting his leg amputated um from the holiday bowl of two thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a San Diego like I said, a San Diego police officer and um so I had a lot of respect for him. Mm-hmm. Right. And um yeah, so he let me stay there. Mm-hmm. I, to this day, I guess I just never asked him why. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you let me stay in your house? And you had no idea who I was. Mm-hmm. I, I, I knew them for maybe two weeks. Mm. Maybe two weeks. How and long did you stay me. at their house? Six months. Six months. Yep. Six months. From July till January or February mm-hmm. of 2014. When did you and, and then, Christina get married? Me, uh, we got married in July of 2015. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, so about a year and a half later. But we moved out and moved into an apartment mm-hmm. over in Marietta and stayed there for a little while. Went to Pechanga. Um, quit Pechanga, I think. I, th- I, don't, I don't remember how long I was there. Can't remember. It's a couple months, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I left. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm not doing this job. Like, like I said, I was a sergeant in the Marine mm-hmm. Corps, and I'm dealing with people who are addicts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, that's me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm dealing with me here. I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. So I left, mm-hmm. and I went to go work at construction a construction site, mm-hmm. and I don't even think I was there three months. Mm-hmm. And they laid me off because they didn't need me. Mm-hmm. There, there was like, I don't know if... I don't know if they didn't like me or if they just were like, hey, we don't need you. Like, you're out of here. You mm-hmm. and three others, we don't need you. Did that feel like rejection to you personally um, or was it just? No, I I didn't even think I was worried about it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I was like, man, well, I can do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't like the job as is. Like, it was not hard work, but mm-hmm. I felt like I was in the Marine Corps. Like, I felt like I was doing dispatch mm-hmm. and cars were, or trucks were coming in, coming out. And uh, what's funny is 
I talked to my boss at um, Pachanga. I said, hey, can I come back? She's like, of course. So I came right back in a different position mm. where I wasn't dealing with the same people I was dealing with before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was totally different the next time around. Mm-hmm. And then I stayed there for four more years. Four more years. Yeah. So 2015, oh, three years, mm-hmm. 2015, 2018. Mm-hmm. So, and that's when I met you. Yep, and that's when yep. you met me, man. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. Uh, so that tr- transition was 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 horrible, brutal, <laughs> brutal. Yeah. yeah. What What do you think the the Marine Corps, your leaders, could have done differently for you for that transition? I don't know if it's because I was I did my self sabotage, mm-hmm. or I just didn't listen. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's because I didn't listen. And two, maybe they didn't have the right tools at the time either. Mm-hmm. Right? Because we're still in a war. Still 2013. We're still... Mm-hmm. People are in Marja, Afghanistan. Right? Mm-hmm. And they're pushing people out and getting new people in. And we're a number. Mm-hmm. Right? We're at, Essentially, we are a number to the Marine Corps at the end of the day. Mm. And yeah, they care. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, this guy's good. Now he's going to go do his own thing. He's got his own mind. Mm-hmm. He survived eight years in the Marine Corps, so let him go. Yeah. And that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. I, I think it was self-sabotage, but at the same time, I'm like, maybe there was something else that they could have helped me with. Mm-hmm. Um, like a job fair. Like so, something at that time where... And there like, wasn't there any of those. Wasn't, no, yeah. There was nothing. Mm-hmm. It was, hey, give your medical record to the DAV guy. And he's like, if there's anything in here, and I remember this, he's like, if there's anything in here that makes sense, take your medical record, go get a copy, and bring it back to me. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And six months later, after I got in the Marine Corps, it was 100%. 100%. From the VA. And right there, I was like, okay, well, I definitely could have retired out of here. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it was it was surreal. Because I was, and I didn't know at the time that that's like unhurt, like, mm-hmm. like, Okay, that's not really heard of, mm-hmm. but six months, hundred percent, and I've been that way ever since. Mm-hmm. Right? And no, and no fighting and the VA, nothing. It's just yeah, it was just like 100%. okay, here you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, did you put in claims for all your injuries, or was it? Um, no, no. So things started coming up afterwards mm-hmm. too, like years afterwards. I started feeling different stuff, like esophagus issues, GERD. Um, my back started getting worse, probably because mm-hmm. I started gaining weight, but mm-hmm. um, my back started getting worse and worse and worse. Um, mm-hmm. And my PTSD was getting worse mm-hmm. and wasn't getting better. And to this day, I've denied treatment. Like, not denied treatment, but I have not went to the treatment that I've wanted to go to. Why is that? Um, I think my entire life I've dealt with my own things mm. and it's worked for me. Right. So I stopped drinking pretty much cold Turkey mm-hmm. and it worked for me. Mm-hmm. I don't really talk about a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it works for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, a lot of people, they boil that stuff in and it, it haunts them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't haunt me. Mm-hmm. It just motivates me. Mm-hmm. I think it motivates me to be like, Okay, got to do something else. Yeah. Like, got to do this, got to honor this guy, got to, you know, push forward for this and mm-hmm. be done with it and mm-hmm. not let it eat me. 
mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of veterans, they get out and they let that PTSD boil and boil and boil and boil mm-hmm. until it goes over the top. Mm-hmm. And it went over the top for me. Mm-hmm. But then the water settled, right? And I think I turned the burner off because <laughs> it doesn't affect me the way like I think it would. Mm-hmm. But then it does. Mm-hmm. Like it'll pop up out of nowhere, right? Like I'll just be driving down the road and I'll be like, oh, man, <laughs> like what happened to me? And uh, yeah, so <clears throat> I, I think that's where um, I can sit back and laugh about it and be like, yeah, you know what? I'm screwed up. Mm-hmm. Like I know I am, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. And all that matters is what's in between my rib cage at the end of the day, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, yep, there it is. Mm-hmm. And I keep going, mm-hmm. you know? So, how did that feel getting that label of PTSD? So, my dad for sure had PTSD, like growing up. Mm-hmm. He'd yell at me all the time. And I'm like, why is this dude yelling <laughs> for no reason, right? Why is he saying the same thing five times, like over and over? And mm-hmm. then I'm just like, mm hmm. And then I don't actually say yes and he gets mad at me for not acknowledging right right so actually labeling that it i mean i guess it shows other people's strength that you know that even if you do have this you know post-traumatic stress that you can overcome stuff Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. um and not let it haunt you Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and um yeah there's I, i there's a lot of marines out there that i I wish that it wouldn't haunt, mm-hmm. right? Because when I came back in two, since 2008, there's been at least 35 suicides in my battalion, mm. right? In 2-7. In 2-7. Mm-hmm. So those hit me harder than any other death, I think, mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. um, that I hear in the news or anything. Like, these are my guys, my time frame, and they're committing, mm-hmm. committing suicide. Like, for what? Mm-hmm. So the Taliban has just shot a 3,000-mile bullet right back here at home. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is they won, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or they're winning. Mm-hmm. And I'm not accepting that. You got out in 2013. 13. Yep. And, and you're still experiencing yeah. buddies who are committing suicide. Yeah. Yep. And uh, not like distant ones, but close ones. Mm-hmm. Like people I actually interacted with. And new and still talked to out of the Marine Corps, too. Mm-hmm. So um, it's everywhere, mm-hmm. right? That stigma and that that issue is out there. Mm-hmm. And it will always be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to talk about it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, that is the only thing you can do to stop it, mm-hmm. right? Because people ask me all the time, they're like, oh, why didn't he come talk to me? You're not stopping that. Mm-hmm. Like, you can talk to him until he's blue in the face. That person is going to commit suicide, whether regardless that they pick the phone up or not. Right. At the end of the day, they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And for me now, it's an acceptance. Mm. It's like, well, they went out on their sword Mm -hmm. and that's what they think they did. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people, it's like, no, they didn't. Mm -hmm. Like, so, Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's a, it's a weird conversation to have with, with, with people that, um, didn't serve in the military, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, and they didn't experience that trauma, <clears throat> those traumas and those um, issues with those certain um, situations, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And two sevens known for having the most 
is it the most post combat post combat suicides suicides yep yeah so and we had one three weeks ago three weeks ago yep and went to the memorial uh gave his uh parents our unit flag Mm. um and then we left Mm -hmm. you know so yeah so that was that was rough that was a rough one what are some of the things that you've been doing to you know since you got out to kind of deal with with your ptsd some um, of your releases. Yeah, so I talk to people mm-hmm. a lot. Like, even if it's not about what's going on, it's um, everyday life struggles. Mm-hmm. I think that is a key thing to suicide, and it's finding a purpose. Mm-hmm. And my purpose now is to, to help vets any way, mm-hmm. shape, or form that I can do. Mm-hmm. And my wife's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm on the phone. I'm talking to a vet mm-hmm. or I'm sending a message to a vet and mm-hmm. it's like, ah, okay, got it. And mm-hmm. she doesn't, uh, she, I, I think she understands mm-hmm. now. I mean, it's taken her a while to be like, what is, why is he on the phone? Like FaceTiming with these guys at 1130 at nighttime, mm-hmm. you know, some nights. <clears throat> so I think it's just talking, talking and especially reconnecting. Mm-hmm. Like I reconnected with the, the Bell family, right? Reconnecting with, certain people that from my past where it has haunted me mm-hmm. things have haunted me and i've reconnected with with those people those family members and knowing that they're continuing life mm-hmm. right and continuing that legacy mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. is it okay if i share how we met yeah yeah absolutely so um so i was working for the congressman and uh, we're not gonna say which congressman but we were working <laughs> for a congressman and um I was his Wounded Warrior Fellow, and then I was being pulled uh, onto his staff uh, in a different capacity. And so we were looking for or basically my replacement. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, we put the announcement out there. We kind of had an idea of, of, well, at least we thought we knew who we, want, uh, who we wanted. And um, we have a mutual friend who shared the, annou- the job announcement with you, right? Yep. And um, we interviewed so many people for that position. And um, so the Wounded Warrior Fellowship Program um, through the House of Representatives initially was started. There was 50 across the the Mm -hmm. nation, 25 red, 25 blue. It didn't matter who you got sent to. It was the veteran was working for the military and the veterans doing casework yep. or whatever capacity that congressman needed or congresswoman needed. And so it wasn't a political thing, right? It was just you go to that person. It didn't matter what your political beliefs were, but that's how you got to sign. And then over the years, um, it has grown quite a bit, you know, across the country to get more veterans in those roles, which is pretty amazing. Um, but I remember the day that you walked in that office and there was something about you that was so different than any other person that we talked to. And it was, it was the way you, you talked to us, the way you presented yourself. Um, you were humble. And um, it was, it, you set yourself apart from everybody else. And these were you know other Marines that were there, <clears throat> you know, uh, other uh, Army veterans and every branch was represented and you stood out to me cause I interviewed you first. Yep. 
And um, I remember immediately when you left, I'm like, that's it. That's the one. And I went back into the office and I said, I, I, I just found our new fellow. And one of the coworkers at the time, Lisa, um, she's like, who? Tell me who it was. And I was like, nope. I, I just want to see if, if I gauge yep. this right. <laughs> I want you to talk to these people and tell me what you think. And when she met you, it was the same thing. It was like there was something about you, Blake, that just was like like this energy, humbleness, and just you're a super cool dude. I'm so glad we met and that we're friends because um, what I've learned since I've met you is that you make other people's lives so much better in veterans' lives, right? And um, so it was this, it was cool to just to get to meet you, right? And nobody knew you had two purple hearts. It wasn't one of those things where like, oh yeah, I'm you know Marine Sergeant, um, you know I did all this stuff, and oh by the way, I've got two purple hearts. Nobody knew about it. The only way we found out about it is because I looked you up on Facebook and I was like, <laughs> and I was yeah. going, you know, you, you kind of look at, you start reaching, searching people and I'm looking, I'm like, that's a purple heart. Wait, there's a, there's two of them, you know? And, um, and then once I found that out, it was, it was game over. It was like, th- this guy is not about himself. He's about truly the mission of helping veterans. And, um, I remember talking to the congressman about you and it was like an instant, yep, that's my guy. And, you know, I think that was probably one of the best decisions that we had made on that staff to, to bring you on board. Um, the work is different, right? Yeah. But, um, but that's how we met. And I'm so glad to have met you because I, I know your heart, Blake, is, is so pure. And, you know, hearing all about your stories and everything in, in, and the people that we dealt with every day in our jobs, helping other veterans, so many people would have given up, right? Yep. They would have, you know, they would have ended their life or they would have just said, you know, poor me or whatever, but you were a survivor. And I, I don't think anybody that I met had your situation. And I mean, everybody goes through things, right? And yep. and even, you know, I remember having, when we went into Iraq, Marines that just by going there got PTSD, you know? I mean, they were so scared out of their minds. Yeah. Like, you see these things on the news and you're like, oh crap, and then just freak out. And you're like 18 year old kids, right? Yeah. But, um, but you told me about one of your nicknames, Bad Luck Blake. <laughs> and- um, It resonates every day of my life. <laughs> yeah. Because all these stories, I mean, and there's so many stories that you've shared with me over the years about things that have happened, and you know, it's like the bad luck stuff. But you've made it, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, you've told me about a car accident. You told me about some other stuff, yeah. and um, you know, we we share a lot of I think similarities in terms of you know our dads, the influence of our dads, and stuff like that, and you know them being there for us. And but um, I, I'm just so glad that you came here tonight to share your story and i think it's so important um to tell your story yeah right yep and how you survived and and what it was like for you how hard it was and but you overcame yeah right um so now you're married to christina yep talk about your family now yeah so i got two boys uh silas and everett 
Silas is five. He's in kindergarten. Uh, Everett, uh, four years old. He's in speech. He uh, he had a torticollis uh, when he was a kid. And and, and explain tor- what that torticollis is uh, when your neck is stuck on your side mm-hmm. um, or your shoulder, and they had to cut the nerves in his neck to straighten out his head mm-hmm. and uh, to get it strengthened back up. Like mm-hmm. we had to do a bunch of physical therapy with him and things like that. And um, since his tongue was down uh, for a long time, for over a year, that when it went back up, it still um, still affects his speech. Mm. So he had to go speech and uh, things like that. So yeah, he's, uh, he's improving every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can hear it in the voice. And uh, even though half the people don't know what he says, I know exactly what he says mm-hmm. sometimes, mm-hmm. which is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, they are so full of joy and... Um, I'm so glad I made it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so glad mm-hmm. like that I did survive, that I'm seeing these kids grow up, you mm-hmm. know, and I have that family that I've always wanted. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So yeah, it's it's pretty neat. And mm-hmm. then uh my wife worked at Target for sixteen years and um then she went to Starbucks for a little bit inside Target and she got pregnant and I was like, There's no reason why you need to work anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you raise our kids and stay home and um take care of them so i don't have to pay six hundred dollars for daycare when you know you're making that at target so mm-hmm. there's no reason for it right so i was like stay at home take care of the kids and mm-hmm. um i'll take care of everything else mm-hmm. right so how's how's life these days with dealing with your ptsd in in the home and, and having two little boys it's because yeah <laughs> so so it is rough right um you have those episodes um you try to realize that those are children. Mm-hmm. And when the episode is happening, you don't realize that. You realize that afterwards, after you're like, wow, mm-hmm. like I just yelled at my kid like that mm-hmm. for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm learning. Mm-hmm. It's a learning process, right? Um, when they were babies and the screaming and crying, um, I think that hurt me the worst mm-hmm. because I couldn't help. Mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. that's what i want to do and that's what your instinct is is to help and a lot of other people are like oh we'll just let them cry it out i, I still can't to this day mm-hmm. <laughs> let them cry it out because it just hurts me because i'm like oh man i want to help them mm-hmm. um so yeah so the the pt and i think my wife has helped so much in the fact where like she doesn't drink mm-hmm. that all often either Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't give me that urge to to drink mm-hmm. like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we go out and we have one drink, and we're like, okay, oh, that was pointless. We just spent eighteen, nineteen dollars on a drink, and mm-hmm. it did nothing for me. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, so it, it, it's a good family dynamic. I I think um, we live about a mile away from her parents, so that's pretty cool. Um, and all the um, nephews that I have, because I have three more nephews, mm-hmm. uh, and we all had kids within five years. Mm-hmm. So all of them are three, four, five mm-hmm. right now. Three, and, four, five, six right now. And there's three sisters and a brother. Is that right? Or yeah, uh, Yep. Three sisters and a brother. Okay. So that's uh, such a huge family and such an awesome dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has their own niche and things like that. And, mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day, we love each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like, We'll have arguments, we'll have bickers, we'll have drama, and <clears throat> our own TV show if mm-hmm. we wanted it. But um, no, it, it's it's a good dynamic mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And you, 
you're you're one of those guys that knows everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy how many people you know, and and um, and, and I and it goes back to you just being a, a person that connects with other people. Um, you had a roommate back in Twenty Nine Palms. Yeah, so. I wasn't a grunt. I was Motor T. He mm-hmm. was a grunt. Mm-hmm. And they put us in these rooms because they were all on um, deployment. And uh, for the first like couple months, me and Clay uh, were roommates. And then they kicked us out, and they we sent our separate ways. So why don't you tell everybody who Clay is? And Yeah, so uh, Clay was a Marine. Um, Clay Hunt. Clay Hunt mm-hmm. uh, was a Marine. Um and his demons uh, took him away from us. Um, ultimately, in 2000, oh my gosh, yeah, I can't even think of the year right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it was a crazy time um, because I think that was one of the first suicides that hit us hard. Mm-hmm. And I ended up working for this congressman and... Uh, there was a pamphlet sitting on this desk and Clay's face was on it. And I think I knew at that point that I was exactly where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I think that was my aha moment mm-hmm. where, cause I was having a hard time at the beginning and I was like, man, like, do I want to do this? Like, this is a lot of work. Like, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, his face was upon that pamphlet. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that was like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. Like I served with this guy, I knew this guy, and um, yeah. And that pamphlet was for the Clay Hunt Saves. The Clay Hunt Saves Act, yeah. yeah. So it helps uh, veterans um, transition back um, with their mental health, mm-hmm. um, and helps them when they go to the VA. Um, their services for them mm-hmm. uh, because that's what he did not have. Right, he didn't have those those services mm-hmm. for sure. And mm-hmm. in, in your everyday job. You're literally saving lives. You're helping veterans yeah. and you're helping with legislation for the next generation of veterans. Um, you know, one of the things that I think that we've worked on for a while and you kind of picked up the the ball when I left is is the the burn pits, right? Yep. Um, so tell me a little bit about the burn pits. If, if you yeah, can. so when I was in uh, Camp Fallujah, Iraq, I would go to the weight room and our weight room would be full of smoke and like man this is annoying like it's it's hard to work out with a bunch of smoke in your face but we worked out anyway and continued on our day and then it would clear up like by noon because mm-hmm. they would burn at 8 to noon or 8 to 10 and didn't realize that those burn pits were right next to our living quarters right so when i came to the congressman's office and I heard a story about one of the um, Air Force um, veterans, uh, Jen Kepner. Mm-hmm. When I heard her story and what happened to her, I was like, man, this is real. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still real. And I want to help mm-hmm. any way I can. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah. So, we've been working on that burn pit bill for three years now mm-hmm. total. Mm-hmm. So, and hopefully uh, this winter it's going to come to... A close. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see if it comes to a close and see if those veterans get the benefits that they've earned mm-hmm. and deserved. Because so. we've heard of stories of veterans who are in their 30s mm-hmm. who've never smoked in their lives yep. and have COPD. 
Yeah. Veterans who have healthy lives all of a sudden come up with these crazy cancers and um, die at a very young age. And, you know, we've, we've said it's the Agent Orange of our generation, generation. right? Yeah. And, um, and that's one more thing that connects us to our, our dads, right? And um, it's just something that is so important right now because not everybody knows about it still, yeah. right? I mean, it's still um, – we've never – I, I, of course, you're in that that smoke, and and I was yeah. in Camp Felicia yeah. too, and um, it just becomes you know the first time you smell it, and you're like oh it's nasty or whatever, but then you're just kind of like oh it's just part of the scenery or whatever you know, and when when I would go talk to other veterans like hey did you ever experience or, or ever expose to burn pits and I'm like no what are you talking about and I'm like well go back the Iraqi and, yeah. crud yeah and they're like oh the crud yeah. I'm like the crud remember and, that smell yes. like, yeah. <laughs> But um, but it's something that is is super important for for our generation, right? And I so thank you for you know keeping going with that. And so what what do you think is next for you, Blake? What do you? Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, as we are so similar, um, I like to jump ship, man, and just do what I like to do, mm-hmm. you know. And right now, I'd like to help vets mm-hmm. and. So my next chapter, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I haven't looked that far. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably need to look that far, but mm-hmm. I haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure what what is in store for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know right now that I'm healthy. My family's healthy uh, during these awesome times, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm gonna keep it that way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so your your next steps, you don't really know. But you, you're optimistic. You're a survivor, you're an overcomer, and there's no doubt that you're going to be so successful in anything you yep. do. I mean, you have been. Um, I, I know that, um, like I mentioned before, the the day that you came in that office was was a, a highlight in my life because I got to meet you. And anybody that's listening to this could probably hear it or or see it. But until they meet you face to face, there's something about you that is just, it's pretty amazing. And um, I, I think our fellow veterans are lucky to have you. And once you find out what you're going to do to help veterans, because you've already been doing it, yep. it's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing, Blake. So um, any parting shots? Um. I just want to reiterate, man, right back at right back at you, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that you've said about me, I can turn it right around and say it about you, man. Um, first time I met you, I was like, dude, this is an awesome, awesome man. And also, he was a Marine. I'm like, dude, like, why can I meet this dude 15, 20 years ago, like in the Marine Corps, too? Uh, cause you probably would have had a better hold on me than half my, <laughs> half my guys did too. So no, man, I just want to th- uh, thank you for uh, bringing me on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope this gets out to at least one person mm-hmm. and helps one person, uh, with my story. And I hope, uh, veterans continue to tell theirs. Mm-hmm. Well, Blake, thanks for coming on the show. Cool, really appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. All right, brother. Thanks. Before you leave, make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast. Leave a comment. And thanks so much. And happy Veterans Day.